You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on the 10th anniversary of the consecration of Good Samaritan Anglican Church, December 8, 2019. A reading from the first letter of Peter. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, do you have a favorite place? If you just think back over your memories, are there any places that sort of stick out This is your favorite place? Well, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, Any places that just sort of stick out in your mind as special places? This is a special place for me as well as as for you. I'm sure it is for many of you. But there are other special places in our lives, too. There was a a hiking trail up in Pennsylvania called the Laurel Highlands Trail. And I used to take my kids on backpacking trips up on this this beautiful trail in the mountains. We don't have any mountains here. uh, But there were mountains in Pennsylvania. We would climb up, up, up this mountain and about halfway down this trail, halfway to the camping site where we would sleep at night, uh, there was a, a rock outcropping that could just look down over the whole valley beneath you. And we would usually go in the fall, so the leaves were changing, and it was just a beautiful place to sit and be. And you could see the eagles and hawks swooping over the skyline. It was a really special place. I also remember, as a, a youth group student, singing and worshiping with Uh, my fellow youth group brothers and sisters, and I remember that being a very special place for me as well. And I'm sure you all have special places that mean something to you, and I hope this church is one of those special places for you. For the sons of Korah, uh, that special place was the temple. I don't know if you know this, but uh, many of the Psalms have a little inscription before the first verse. And the little inscription before Psalm 84 says, To the choir master, according to the Giddith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. And some of them are psalms of David. Some of them are psalms of other people. There were a number of different people that that wrote the psalms. Sometimes there is no inscription at all, and we have no idea who was responsible for writing it. But they all made it into God's word, and they're a part of the scriptures. Um, But this one, Psalm 84, was written by the sons of Korah. And they say, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. 
My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. And then in verse 10 it says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. So the temple, as I was showing the kids, was a very special place for these sons of Korah. It was probably actually the tabernacle, the tent version of the, the temple that roamed around in the, in the wilderness with the Israelites as they made their ways around. And the temple was a very special place for the people of Israel because it was intended to be, by God, an earthly representation of God's heavenly courts, a place where heaven and earth literally met in a place that, that human people could walk into and be a part of, the dwelling place of God on earth. And God promised that he would be present there in the tabernacle and later in the temple. So it was a very special, important place uh, for the people of Israel, and how much more so for the priests who got to go in and offer sacrifices or put showbread on the, on the table uh, inside of the actual temple building. It must have been amazing. And today, when we worship, it gives us a foretaste of heaven. Just as the temple in Israel, which doesn't exist any longer, just as that was this representation, this place where heaven and earth meet, when we worship, the same thing happens. We don't long, any longer have a special temple, uh, a one single place in the world where we can uh, have that special promise of God to dwell there. But we'll talk in a minute about how God dwells in each of us. And so any time that we gather for worship, what we're experiencing is this meeting of heaven and earth. We get to join up with the heavenly hosts who are already worshiping in heaven and our worship joins together with that. And so we get a foretaste of what we get to experience for all of eternity every time we gather for worship. It's a remarkable thing that we get to do here. Today, we give God thanks for this house of worship. This is the 10th anniversary of the consecration of this building. And since that day, there have been approximately 520 Sundays and probably at least 2,000 opportunities to gather together and worship in this place. And that's a lot to celebrate, isn't it? That's a lot to celebrate. I was just talking to Jerry before the sermon, and he was relating to me the story about uh, the cross that's up here. And when a building is consecrated, the bishop of the diocese comes to do the consecration. We didn't have a bishop of our diocese. We didn't actually have a diocese yet when the, the building was consecrated. And so Bishop Bill Murdoch, who was a friend of mine uh, even back then, he flew down here to consecrate our building. He was from Massachusetts. And so he came into the church and he consecrated uh, the building and some of the things in the building and set it apart. That's what consecrate means. Set it apart for the holy purpose of the worship of God. Uh, but that cross uh, hadn't quite made it up there yet. It was in the back of Jerry's truck. And so the bishop made a special trip out into the parking lot and consecrated the cross as well, but in the back of Jerry's pickup truck. And it, it got put up there a little bit later. There are so many memories that we have in this place, so many experiences of worship, so many times when heaven and earth have met together and we've had the opportunity to experience the glory of God. And that is a, a truly wonderful thing. Could someone grab me a microphone battery, please? That way you can all hear me. Uh, that, I'll just speak up until then. Um, that is a truly wonderful and remarkable thing. But I also want us to remember on a day like today that the church is not primarily a building. We call this building a church, it is a church building, 
but it's called a church building because it's the, the purpose of this building is it's the place where the church gathers. The church is not a building. The church is people. So raise your hand if you're the church. Yeah, all of your hands should be up. You are all the church. The church is you. This building is the place where we gather together and meet, but the church is you. And you all know this because you were a part of the decision to leave our church's first building on Blanding Boulevard and reconstitute ourselves here on Old Jennings Road. Did we leave our church behind on Blanding Boulevard? Certainly not. We didn't leave it behind. The church came with us and we regathered in this new place, in this new building, this new place to worship God together. Just give me a moment to get these new batteries in there. Thank you, Elizabeth. Can you hear me now? Back in business, good. So a building like this can help facilitate the worship of the fellowship of the body, but the church is the people. In the Bible, the Greek word that we translate as church was the Greek word ekklesia, ekklesia. And it was a a word that's not just a church word, it was not just for Christians, it was a word that was used of the assembly of the citizens of a town who were called together for their their duty to gather together as citizens. Think of it like kind of like voting day. Voting day is kind of like one big meeting for our whole state or our whole country to gather together uh, and cast our vote for our elected officials. Well, the ecclesia was similar to that. It was when all the townspeople would gather together, all the people from a city would gather together for the purpose of of whatever it was that the city officials had called them together for. That was the ecclesia, those who were called out. And it was their duty to show up and be a part of it. This word literally means uh, you are called out. Called out ones. And this term was used by both Jesus and Paul to refer to the assembly of Christians. Chiefly as the people assembled and not as the place where they assembled. In fact, there was no such thing as a church building for the first 300 years of the church. It was only then that that the Emperor Constantine made the religion of Christianity legal and started giving buildings as places where the church could come and assemble. And then we started calling these buildings churches. But for the first 300 years of the church, the church was just people, and they met in houses. In 1 Peter today, uh, we get to see this image in a slightly different way. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, it says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And this comes on the heels of verse 4, which says, As you come to him, speaking of Jesus, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves are like living stones. You yourselves are like living stones. Now think back to the temple model that I was showing the kids earlier. How was the temple built? It was built out of stone. And they would quarry that stone and they would take the stone from where the quarry was to the site of the temple and the, the, the masons would dress the stones until they were just right and their faces would meet in just the right ways and they stacked these stones on top of one another to make this building for the worship of God. 
And that's what Peter is referring to here, except he's not talking about the stone temple in Jerusalem. He's talking about the church. He says, Jesus is a living stone, which is pretty remarkable because I've never seen a stone that was alive. I don't know about you. I've never seen a stone that was alive. But he says, Jesus is a living stone, and you, like him, are also living stones. And so Jesus is the cornerstone. What's the function of a cornerstone? It holds the building up. It's the first stone that's laid, and all of the other stones are laid in association with that first stone. So they all have to be lined up just right. And the cornerstone was particularly important for that purpose. Sometimes the the date a building was built was inscribed on the the cornerstone because that was the first stone that was placed. And we have a, a sort of symbolic cornerstone on that corner of the building that says the date that this church was built. Um, And it has a Bible verse. So you all go find that cornerstone and you tell me later what that Bible verse is. That's a special assignment for you kids, okay? Go find the cornerstone and tell me what Bible verse is written on the cornerstone. So we are living stones built into a spiritual house. The body of Christ is built out of many parts, many different stones. The temple in Jerusalem was built out of many different stones. It wasn't carved out of a single stone. There were different blocks of stone that were brought together to form the temple, the place to worship God. And so also, we are these living stones, these component parts of the whole. Just as this building was built with many different pieces of wood and steel and drywall, so each of us is an essential component of the spiritual house that is Good Samaritan Anglican Church. The church is now the temple of God, the place where God himself dwells by his Holy Spirit. And the temple in Jerusalem is no longer the exclusive dwelling place of God. In fact, it doesn't even exist anymore. There's a a mosque on the place where the temple once stood. That was actually an important thing because it symbolically represented the fact that that was no longer the one place where the worship of God would be conducted because God now dwells in each of our hearts and collectively in the midst of this spiritual house that has been built together in this place. One commentator says, the beauty of this new living temple made out of people should no longer be expensive gold and precious jewels, but the imperishable beauty of holiness and faith in Christians' lives. Qualities which much more effectively reflect the glory of God. Did you ever think about that for yourself? Your job is to reflect the glory of God. You don't have a glory of your own, but just like the moon reflects the glory of the sun, so also we reflect the glory of God and shine like bright lights in this world. We are the special gold and special jewels that make the house of God a special place, that bring glory to God. And so we are this spiritual house. We are living stones brought together to make a spiritual house. And that spiritual house gathers inside of this building. It's a building within this building. But more than that, Peter says that we are a holy priesthood And that our job is to offer spiritual sacrifices. The priests in the Old Testament were a special group of people from a special family. They had to be from the Levite family. And the the priests were a special group within the Levite family uh, that were descended from Aaron. They they, uh, had a special purpose to offer these sacrifices inside of the temple. 
And so in the Old Testament, you couldn't be a priest unless you were born into the right family. Peter is saying something completely different. He's saying that you are a holy priesthood, all of us together. And that our job together is not just to be the dwelling place of God, this spiritual house, but also to be the priests inside of that spiritual house, offering spiritual sacrifices to God. What are these spiritual sacrifices? We read about spiritual sacrifices in two different places in the Eucharistic prayer that we use every Sunday when we consecrate the elements for communion. We say, first of all, and we earnestly desire your fatherly goodness, mercifully to accept this, our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. And so that's one thing that we offer to God when we gather together and worship, is we offer this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. We give thanks to God for all of the ways that he blesses us. And we praise God for who he is, for his glory. We give him all the honor that's due to him. And so that's the first kind of sacrifice that we offer. The second place that we read in the Eucharistic prayer says this. And here we offer and present to you, O Lord, ourselves, our souls and bodies, as a spiritual, holy, and living sacrifice. So as we gather together around the table for Eucharist, you'll notice sometimes when I say those words, I actually lay myself down on top of the altar as a representation of all of you doing the same thing. We are giving ourselves to God in worship. We ourselves are the sacrifice. But just like Isaac was offered as a sacrifice and was not killed, so also we are a living sacrifice. It's not our blood that's offered on the altar. Jesus' blood was already offered for us. And so we offer ourselves to God in thanksgiving for what he's done for us. Today, we get to welcome a few new living stones into this body. And those are the, the Petersons, wave Petersons, and the Hoopers, wave Hoopers, and Michelle Minkle over here, wave Michelle Minkle. We get to welcome these, these folks into our spiritual house today. We'll do that a little bit later in the service. Welcome, all of you. We are so glad to welcome you as living stones in this body. Beyond this, Peter goes on to say in verse 9, that you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We are a chosen people. We have been set apart for a chosen purpose. And God specifically wants you to be on his team. He wants us together. We are the A-team. We are the first string. We aren't the bench warmers. We are the people going out there doing the work that God has called us to do. We are his chosen people. We are a holy race. We become living stones of the ecclesia, those who are called out, called out from the world and into the society, the kingdom of God. We leave behind our old allegiances to this world. And we take on a new citizenship in his kingdom. But we were called out by grace, not by birth. Remember I said it was the, the priests could only be priests if they were from the right family. 
Similarly, the people of God could only be a part of the people of God if they were born into the household of the people of God. They had to have Jewish parents to be children of God, children of God's people. But in the gospel today, John the Baptist says something pretty remarkable. He's chastising the Pharisees who think they have it all together, who think they're something special. And he says to them, he calls them actually a brood of vipers. Now, the Pharisees were were people who thought they were super special and holy. So they would be a little shocked to be called a brood of vipers because they thought they were the chosen ones. They thought they were the ones who had it all together. But John the Baptist calls them out. He says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. That was their claim to fame. That was their claim to citizenship in the people of God, is that they had Abraham as their father. What does John the Baptist say? I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Doesn't matter which family you were born into. It matters that God chose you to be a part of his holy people. And when God chooses you, he makes you living stones. And so we are part of this ecclesia, these people who are called out by grace, not by birth, because God has chosen us and because we have given our lives to him. We are chosen for a purpose, though. We're not chosen for ourselves. We have a benefit that comes to us. We have an inheritance that comes to us as people of God. But we're not chosen for ourselves. Peter says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may. So there's a purpose to this choosing. That you may. So what's the purpose? that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That is our mission. And it's a mission that goes beyond this building. Our vision at Good Samaritan Anglican Church is... Loving our neighbors and helping them to find God, love God, and share God. That's our vision. That's our mission as a church, is to love our neighbors, people who aren't here already, people outside of this building, and to welcome them and help them to find God, love God, and share God so that they too can become living stones, a part of this spiritual house for God. In the Gospel of Luke, We read about John the Baptist, and Luke was born into a priestly family. I'm sorry, not Luke. John the Baptist in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, We read about him being born into a priestly family. His father was a man named Zechariah. And John the Baptist, his self-identified mission, his self-identified calling from God, God gave him the calling, but he recognized it, was to be what Isaiah prophesied in the Old Testament, the voice of one crying in the wilderness Prepare the way of the Lord. That was John the Baptist's personal mission from God. You are the one who's going to go into the wilderness and prepare the way of the Lord. And that's what he did. He went out in the wilderness, he baptized people in the Jordan River, and he prepared the way for the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus himself. And when Jesus did come, he said, I must decrease 
and he must increase. He wasn't all about himself. He wasn't about being the one that people were coming to. He was pointing the way to Jesus. And when Jesus came, he said, it's not me, it's that guy. Go follow that guy. But we have a mission like John the Baptist. When John the Baptist was born, his father, Zechariah, uh, sang a song over him. We call it the Song of Zechariah, or Zechariah's Prophecy in some versions of the Bible. And he says in verse 76, You, my child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. That was what Zechariah said over his son when he was born. You will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. That was John the Baptist's mission, and it's our mission too. The Lord has yet to touch the lives of many people in our community. They are still in darkness, and they haven't been brought into his marvelous light. And so God is sending each one of us into those places of darkness to prepare the way for him to come into those people's hearts. His Holy Spirit is there too, stirring up their hearts, preparing them for salvation. But he desires to use us as his instruments for the salvation of those people. We get to go before him. That's a privilege. We get to go before him. He could do it on his own, but he wants to use you. We get to go before him and proclaim his excellencies to people who are in the darkness and to call them into his marvelous light. Just like John we are sent to prepare the way of the Lord. So today, let us celebrate these courts of the Lord and be thankful for them. But let us also be mindful of the purpose of this building, to be a place where God is worshipped, where we can offer spiritual sacrifices to the Lord, to be a place where we are knit together as living stones, as the body of Christ, and finally, to be a place from which we are sent out to proclaim the excellencies of God in this dark world. Would you each grab a a book of common prayer from the pew in front of you? And I want to read together a closing prayer on page 649. Share with someone next to you. There's only three per pew. 649 in your book of common prayer. And this is prayer number 12 at the bottom of that page for the local congregation. Page 649. Please pray with me. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear our prayers and grant that in this congregation, the pure word of God may be preached and the sacraments duly administered. Strengthen and confirm the faithful. Protect and guide the children. Visit the sick. Turn and soften the wicked. Arouse the careless. Recover the fallen. Restore the penitent. Remove all hindrances to the advancement of your truth. And bring us all to be of one heart and mind within your holy church 
to the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.